0: Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host.
1: Yes, I'm your host this evening, Gavin McGough. Uh, Welcome to Off the Record. And we're talking all things public health in San Miguel County this evening. So we're going to be talking about human health, but also kind of our culture, our environmental uh, health, socioeconomic things, and how all that plays into our lives here. And we'll also touch on COVID, which has been a huge topic in the public health world over the last three years. Uh, And we'll talk about... Uh, COVID as it enters a period of transition uh, and joining us to help discuss all of these topics we have in studio, um, Grace Franklin, the director of San Miguel County Public Health. Grace, you want to say hello to our listeners?
2: Hello, Coto listeners and Gavin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, welcome and thanks for joining us. We Thank also you. have Kat Semler here. She's the program coordinator uh, at San Miguel County Public Health. Kat, is there anything you'd like to add to your intro this evening?
3: Uh, Just a warm hello as well.
1: Thanks for having me. All right. And last but not least, we have Chris Smith, environmental health specialist um, and the historian of the evening, as I understand, (laughs) with 15, over 15 years, 17 years maybe, of serving uh, San Miguel County environment and health.
4: Hello, wonderful people of Telluride and San Miguel. And beyond.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Um, Well, thanks you all uh, for joining us. And listeners, please give us a call to join the conversation. That number is 970 728 4333. And we're happy to take your questions throughout the hour. Um, And all right, to to just lay the groundwork for our conversation tonight, I'd love to hear how you all kind of conceive of your mission. Uh, your mandate over at the county public health. What is public health for you? Um, And maybe that's individually or maybe that's uh, as a group.
2: Yeah. Well, the uh, mission and vision for San Miguel County Public Health is to ensure that our community residents and environment can thrive and have the opportunity for optimal well-being. Uh, It's said a little bit more nicely on paper, but the idea is to give everyone um, the best uh, opportunity to make the healthiest uh, choices for themselves. But I'd be interested to hear uh, on the more, yeah, informal level, what does health and public health mean to you all?
3: Yeah, I think uh, for me, public health is a matter of looking at prevention and education as opposed to reactive care. Uh, We leave that to, you know, organizations such as the Med Center um, here in Telluride and also in Norwood. But... I think it's a matter of utilizing equitable uh, services to ensure that all populations, regardless of um, socioeconomic status, race, ethnicity, um, sexuality, are treated fairly and kindly, um, and also treated prior to them getting sick. Uh, So really focusing on education and um, outreach.
4: Yeah, and in addition to that, like. um, the public health is, as as a practice or an art form is um, means um, like continually improving the conditions and mm-hmm. identifying emergent issues and um, um, and and sometimes it's responding to complaints um, um, concerns of citizens um, uh, environmental or other otherwise.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and then in, in addition to all of you here tonight, is the county public health team bigger? Um, mm-hmm. Do you have collaborations uh, with other folks that you want to shout out right off the bat? Or how does it, how does it all fit together um, for the San Miguel County?
2: Yeah, we're pretty small and mighty. Um, Chris, in the environment side, uh, ha- it's a two-person, strong uh, power team there. So Kevin Chaney, big shout out to him. He does the septic permitting um, as well as other uh, environmental health projects. And then we have our public health nurse, Shannon Farley, Andres, um, Jacinto Alonzo, who's our community outreach specialist, Amy Erickson, who's our WIC coordinator. And then Ann Brown used to be part of public health doing health education work. So huge shout out to her as well um, as she moved on to um, um, a higher calling, I guess.
4: <laughs> yeah. A seat on the county a seat commission. seat on the county, right? yeah. Yep. And the, the county commissioners are also the Board of Health, mm. for, um, and they listen to our um, public health um, concerns and um, advise us.
3: Absolutely, yeah. I will say we are uh, looking to collaborate with other organizations more so in the future. I think that's at least a personal goal for myself is... Um, connecting more and communicating more with health-related organizations such as actually the library, Tri-County Health Network, um, so we can really create the most um, inviting environment for folks coming in so everyone's aware of what everyone offers services-wise.
4: We collaborate frequently and um, closely with uh, the state health department, CDPHE, and um, and um, the division I deal with is d- environmental health and sustainability um, and that's there's a lot of uh, programs in that division and uh, they they, uh, <laughs> they um, have the expertise in the small drinking water systems so they come out and survey those and advise on improving those um, sanitary conditions for our small, um, drinking water systems that serve smaller populations around in our county. And um, we, (coughs) excuse me, we also collaborate with the the air quality um, control Mm -hmm. division to uh, monitor and assure that our air quality standards are maintained um, under the EPA level for um, um, minimum health standards.
2: And I would say, too, I feel like we could probably spend the entire hour just talking about all the cool programs, not only within our county, but in collaboration. Um, But I do feel like public health is usually running its best when you don't realize it's actually happening. And um, so much of the work that occurs from the day-to-day is that preventative that Catherine mentioned and making sure that we're in healthy environmental conditions. And so it's, it's a pretty wide breadth of... Programs of collaborations and work, but it, it's a lot of stuff that runs behind the, um, in the background.
1: And I also know that um, San Miguel County is part of a five, five or six county consortium, um, which collaborate, you know, pools mm-hmm. resources, pools expertise, and recently completed a community health assessment. Uh, Maybe listeners are familiar with the assessment through a survey. There was a big push for that late last year. It wrapped up in December. Um, And now it seems we have these results. Uh, So will you talk a little bit about um, kind of the scope of the survey and some of the background of it, and then we can dig into what you found out and how it will shape priorities?
2: Mm -hmm. So the background of it, as you mentioned, we have a regional partnership in public health since we do have limited staff, limited resources. So we work with uh, five other counties, so it's six total where we share staff, share resources, et cetera. And one of those is the public health improvement plan. Uh, By statute, the state, we have to do it every five years, do some kind of assessment, see what are the biggest public health needs in our communities and move forward. And last year was the first year that we did a community health survey out to the community in quite a while. And so lots of boots on the ground, lots of movement to, as you mentioned, and a big push to get some feedback. We had a really great turnout in San Miguel County and it was the highest uh, response rate for all the counties in the West Central Partnership. So kudos to everyone who was able to fill that out. Um, And with that, we got a lot of results that um, were not surprising, but Catherine can review them after this question.
1: Yeah, it looks like we have a caller, so let's check in with um, who is on the line.
0: Hello, you're live on Turn off the radio there. Uh, Hello, you're live on Codom. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah,
1: we can hear you, all right. Do you have a question for us this evening?
0: I certainly do. Uh, How does public health Look at wastewater capacity. I don't know if that's a CDPHE thing as well. Um, so, you know, we're, according to the, the last presentation uh, to the Telluride Town Council, we are very near that number, but I didn't hear a specific threshold. And, you know, are we going to need to shut down all building permits here at some point? Or uh, just wondering how you, all, you folks are looking at that. Thank you.
1: Hey, thanks for that question, and uh, thanks for your call.
0: Um, I,
4: I don't. I'm not familiar with um, that's a state. the the I think why I'm stalling here is the the state CDPHE mm-hmm. um, issues those permits, and um, that's way outside of my wheelhouse really when you first said wastewater I thought oh a septic question I can maybe answer that one but uh unfortunately um I don't have any answers for you there
2: well I yeah yeah um so for public health we manage the smaller scale septic permitting so that's really the individual homes right and is it 2,000 gallons or less less? and so that's a pretty small amount in the grand scheme of things, Um, my understanding of the question is that this is the town municipal um, wastewater that you're speaking of with the thresholds. And as Chris mentioned, uh, that's managed at the state level because of the complexity and size. And then um, the town of Telluride has staff that manages the day-to-day operations and uh, make sure everything's running smoothly there.
1: Yeah. And I do um, understand from my own following of the news uh, and reporting on it that um, things are underway to expand that facility out there which just sounds like this um, listener is in the know on and I don't have a specific timeline or uh, know either whether um, you know that's going to affect how much the town is allowed to build but uh, yeah well thank you anyway for your question and we'll um, keep that in mind with our future inquiry and reporting um And back to, I believe we were talking about, um, the scope of the health survey Mm -hmm. Yeah. and kind of getting, um, sounds like you had a good response rate. So we
2: did. Yeah. And then we got some results that we found some key themes. Um, and Catherine, do you mind sharing? Sure.
3: And again, the results do reflect past, um, data that we've seen in the past. So we're not entirely surprised as Grace mentioned by what came up, but there were some, um, Concerning areas of interest in realms, as I'm sure you all could predict, such as uh, health care affordability and access to equitable care, um, housing security, uh, mental health, uh, substance use issues um, across all towns, uh, as well as aging in place, um, and food security was also pretty substantial ones. Um, and different demographics had uh, various levels of concern, depending on what those demographics were. Um, and as a region, uh, we all came together and looked at the data and saw that uh, behavioral health was sort of the large priority area of interest for us to, to tackle and to work on. Uh, and so all counties together are working on sort of a work plan to uh, find strategies uh, and ways to yeah, improve on mental health and behavioral health in the larger region
1: yeah and I wonder do you know anything at all about uh how that reflects with the state level itself uh, in terms of behavioral health as an area of need
2: I think that the funding reflects that right there's more and more funding for harm reduction which is a program we've started working on for substance use there's more funding um for the opioid settlement um monies as well that are going to different regions and so I, I think as a nation and as a state we've really had a significant shift of our mental well-being and um, in part with COVID right isolation and um, just all the different pressures and so as folks have come out of the emergency COVID response it really has been how do we help support people who may have struggled the most during that time
1: and you know i know you have just completed the survey and are just looking at these
4: mm-hmm.
1: uh, results for the first time but are there um kind of specific tactics or programs that you think will be part of that all county focused? you know just sort of anticipating mm-hmm. that response
2: yeah um just to start it off um i feel as an all-county response it's really how do we go about things effectively. And so whether it's in our communication that we have a unified approach, especially during our COVID response, things were just happening so fast that everyone kind of scrambled and did the best they could with the information that they had. And so it's really, how do we go about it in a united way? So um, supports clear, our resources, as Catherine mentioned, are um, unsiloed, right? And you can have access no matter where you go, um, seeking for support. Um, And then some tangible programs that we've started to implement this last year um, is with um, opioid overdose um, prevention and reduction and um, making sure Narcan and Naloxone is readily available. If someone's using drugs, they have the tools to reduce harm there, too.
3: Which, again, really tackles that behavioral health matter Um, as behavioral health, for those that don't know, is... Uh, sort of a hybrid of mental health issues as well as issues such as substance use. Um, So that intersection really comes to play with uh, matters such as, um, yeah, overdosing and whatnot. So that's what we're
2: looking to tackle. And then for our local public health too, we're really working on ramping up our training and um, understanding of our local resources as well. Because whether um, it's Chris doing a restaurant inspection or Catherine at the farmer's market, uh, people um, are pretty open and we come across a variety of different scenarios. And so to be able to provide tools um, for people to seek help staff to be trained or to promote mental health first aid, which Tri-County does, um, a couple other um, suicide prevention trainings, Access Health does, and really just ramping up the shared collective knowledge so there's, no, again, no wrong door to getting help if somebody is um, having suicidal ideation or um, has some kind of substance use that they want to address.
1: And um, from the results of the survey, are there kind of takeaways that feel very specific or patterns that feel very specific to San Miguel County?
2: Hmm. Patterns that seem specific to San Miguel County. I think one that wasn't surprising but was really eye-opening to me was aging in place. Um, our county compared to all the other counties in the West Central um, Partnership that did this joint survey had the poorest outcome for seniors as well as livability into retirement um because of lack of services transportation uh elevation and everything right and it's just it was really um surprising to see that our population 65 and older is on par with the u.s um a percentage as well the u.s um 65 and older population is 17% of the population, and we're 16% of our population, which Mm. we're going to continue to have folks aging up um, and needing uh, more services and more support.
1: Yeah, we have to build a lot of that infrastructure, it seems Mm -hmm.
2: like.
3: Yeah, Mm. definitely. I think one of our vulnerable populations that uh, we found was uh, teens, Mm. um, and specifically our results had higher rates of uh, substance abuse than state averages Uh, and I think that is pretty specific to our county just in um, how our county and our culture treats substance use in particular drinking. Um, It is quite a party town with a lot of tourists um, that come in and want to have fun and naturally I think the locals kind of fuel off that energy um, and kids obviously um, absorb what adults around them partake in. And so, again, uh, with issues such as substance use and specifically drinking, I think we have to look at larger cultural shifts um, and how can we educate the community um, and educate our uh, peers to to provide positive cultural shifts um, mm. so we can decrease those numbers in the future.
1: Um, and how much of kind of our public health feels environmental or, or socioeconomic, um, when you look at the survey and some of the things um, you're hearing, kind of what, wh- how do you factor in the specificity of people's place and you know the culture that people are surrounded in?
2: Yeah, I feel like the, the the concerns varied, but were still similar across our county from Egnar, Norwood to Telluride and Mountain Village, um, but we, we were talking about this <laughs> earlier today, too, of like, it's it's less so that the concerns are stark, like, very different, right, um, but more the approach to a solution may be more specific to a different culture, to a different community,
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that makes sense as it yeah. seems a lot of these, um, you know, public health measures require just building a really strong support network
4: mm-hmm. that
1: goes beyond, you know, merely government itself or merely one, you know, um, area of life in particular. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that in mind and, you know, keeping in mind that you're not going to solve everything this year or, you know, whatever. Um, what comes next? How is the health assessment going to inform planning next steps, and like what do you do with the numbers?
2: Yeah, what do we do what do we do with it? Um, well we continue want to continue to have feedback from the community um, as we plan out our work moving forward. Um, So we're hoping to do some community forums where we can talk about the data. We've done some key stakeholder presentations. We presented at the Board of County Commissioners with some data, but we wanna take a step back and do that out into the community as well, not just get stuck in our own little vacuum. Um, But with that, the West Central is meeting to really take that behavioral health, mental health priority and figure out regional actions that we can do together as a group And then from there, that's where we really want to take the community voice of saying, this is what we're seeing. This is the region's plan. Now what? We do already have the 2023 work plan was developed just to say, what is our actual capacity as a six and a half person department? and then what are the needs and start to build out from there. And a lot of that was informed by um, the survey results as well, Um, but we'll continue to adapt into
1: 2024, 2025. Awesome. Um, Is there anything in particular you would like to add about the community health assessment? Um, We'll definitely have the opportunity to return to this Mm -hmm. topic in the future, but... um, you know, for now we can put a pin on and to move something else and move on to something else unless you have um, something you'd like to share about takeaways from the process.
2: I, I mean, I think the takeaway is really just how engaged our communities are and um, how interested everyone really is in participating in the system. I, w- I was just blown away with um, the number of respondents, both English and Spanish surveys, and um, The desire to, as we've seen from other surveys throughout the last couple of years with Tri-County, with the East End Master Plan, just that people really are hungry for change and willing to participate to um, help make that happen. So just a huge thanks to San Miguel County and all the work that is getting done outside of our little bubble in the Department of Public Health.
1: All right, listeners, you are tuned into Off the Record on KOTO Telluride. We are talking this evening, all things public health, with Grace Franklin, um, Kat Semler, and Chris Smith, all from San Miguel County. And we will be uh, back for more discussion of COVID, of takeaways from COVID, and, you know, whatever else happens next. Yeah, so stay tuned and give us a call.
5: Never know how much I love you Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get a fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever When you kiss me, fever When you hold me tight Fever In the morning a Fever all through the night Sun lights up the daytime Moon lights up the night I light up when you call my name Such a new thing, fever started long ago. Romeo loved Juliet, Juliet, she felt the same. When he put his arms around her, he said, Julie, baby, you're my flame, now give us fever. When we kiss her, Fever with thy flaming use Fever, I'm afire Fever, yea, I burn forsooth Captain Smith and Pocahontas Had a very mad affair When her daddy tried to kill him
1: Good evening, you're tuned into KOTO. We're talking tonight on Off the Record about all things public health in San Miguel County. And joining us is Grace Franklin, Kat Semler, and Chris Smith, all from the county. Um, give us a call at 970-728-4333. If you have a question or would like to join the conversation... Um, And, you know, we've covered kind of where things are at in terms of public health um, and the public health assessment, taking the temperature of the community. Um, We also can definitely talk about COVID, which was, um, you know, you can say it how you would like, Grace, but I, you know, from talking with you in the past, it seems like it probably has defined a lot of your public health experience here thus far um i'm not sure how that goes for the other two of you but um yeah are there any um just like fresh takeaways that you have um or anything you'd like to say right off the bat on that um topic
2: Yeah, I I, I do feel like COVID has probably defined a lot of us uh, (laughs) in a significant way. But from a professional standpoint, um, it has been um, very interesting, challenging, uh, Mm -hmm. heartwarming to um, have gone through um, our response here in San Miguel County. Um, Yesterday, the New York Times put out an article about Excessive deaths, and how we have now leveled out to about the same level of excessive deaths as before COVID started. Which that's things like uh, motorcycle accidents, trauma, things that were not uh, predicted due to aging, etc.
1: Um, right, and COVID would fall into that.
2: Yes, and yeah. during COVID, at the height, we had about thirty percent higher excessive deaths than normal, and so we've hit a really interesting marker. Um, recently where we have treatments that can really help avoid severe disease um, and support folks who might um, have um, be more fragile um, if they were infected we have vaccines that do a great job as well as hybrid immunity from folks who've been infected um, folks who've been infected and vaccinated um, the whole gamut and so we've come a long way um, but the the bummer statement to go with that the and is that it's definitely not going anywhere and covid's still with us um for quite some time the i think the a few times ago when we were chatting there was a prediction from epidemiologists that it'll take about 10 years for um the virus to really reach a level of seasonality um where right now it's just mutating um similar to the flu rate it it just mutates over time and can um, be more infectious or more severe etc and so we're still in this very interesting um, unknown phase albeit much better much more tools um, and a lot less unknowns than we had before so i would say for me my behavior is not changing currently um, but in as we approach the fall as we approach the next winter definitely taking a pause, seeing what's going on, um, and still being aware of the fact that it is um, ever present.
4: Um, yeah, um, for me, uh, the, re- the COVID response, um, kind of, it was, re- the hardest part was getting used to working at home mm. and trying to keep myself busy without um, being um, distracted. <laughs> and uh, I never got good at working at home. And um, so I, I just am able to concentrate better and work at the office. Um, but besides that, um, as far as uh, my interface with the community um, as a result of COVID, um, um, it just really increased uh, the level of compassion that I approach everything with, and um, um, my attitude has um, changed a little bit to be um, more sympathetic and more helpful um, than I was before, and um, realizing how um, folks are uh, really making the effort during during the um, response, they really made an effort to um, limit the spread, and um, they were on board with our program, and um, that was really reassuring to us, and um, just having to work with people and, and say things to them that I never thought I'd have to say, and, um, you know, kind of looking back on it, um, after a while, um you know, I, I knew how, how good and how hard people were working to uh, make sure services were um, sanitary and, and um, masks were available and such. And uh, they were um, really um, talking to their customers about um, if they were out of line and, and asking them to come in line with the public health requests. And, uh, so there was a lot of that and, um, with the fatigue, you know, after some, a great deal of time went by, there was some fatigue, but people, um, still managed to, uh, stick to it, get their vaccines and stay on schedule. And we watched it decline. Um, and, um, just recently i got a question are we still in in a response mode and i was so happy to say no we're not Hmm. um, in that response mode anymore
2: that feels good that feels really
4: good
3: (laughs) yeah and it's always interesting for me hearing um grace and chris and other members of our team talk about the covid response era as i came on to the team um later than these two um I actually, I started working in the office um, on a more regular basis last summer. And by then, you know, the initial chaos had subsided. Things were back open. But that being said, all of my work at that time was still primarily COVID work um, Mm -hmm. between testing and vaccine clinics um, and all the admin work that goes alongside that. Uh, And so I've been very excited myself um, to expand my own work um and transition into and spend time working on and developing other non-covid related programs um so that's as sort of my interests lie more so in um, behavioral health work harm reduction etc but i will say we still do um have programs targeted to um helping those out covid with covid related uh, matters such as our immunization clinic Um, and we have clinics every wednesday afternoon Uh, and we are looking most likely to expand those um, in the fall as typically people come in and more people come in than right now Um, summer numbers are a little bit low Uh, but with the fall does come some changes with vaccines um The COVID vaccine most likely will get privatized um, by companies such as Pfizer and Moderna, and that could potentially uh, impact uh, access and affordable access to getting immunized. (laughs) Um, uh, But Colorado does have funding to protect folks who are underinsured and uninsured um, to ensure that we are all getting um, vaccinated um, at appropriate rates. Um, but again, this might shift how we provide the vaccine in our clinic uh, and the options that we have available. Um, But we still will continue to vaccinate folks for COVID uh, and look forward to potentially having a new vaccine to protect against some of these more recent strains. Um, And we also will have flu vaccines in the fall as well. And that's typically again, when people start to come in more and our capacity ramps up a bit.
1: Yeah, it's almost surprising to remember even last summer there was a lot more um, I remember a lot more news about like oh the vaccine bus is coming to town and we were still reporting wastewater levels regularly um and all of that stuff. So it continues to change at a um at a fast rate. And um Oh, I think we may be do you have a caller, is that right? Flash. All right, let's see if we can have this person come on the air here. Hello, you're live on COVID. Hi,
0: Doug again. Um, going to the, I've got a couple subjects, if, if you've got time. Yeah. Um, just let me know. Go um, for it. Going to the wastewater testing. Uh, that can also be done for uh, illicit drugs. Um, uh, probably alcohol as well, though I, I don't know that for a fact. What would it take to get that? You know, it's it's a non-privacy, invasive thing. So we can, you know, see how much of a problem are opioids here, etc. Through the wastewater testing, what would it take to to get that started?
1: Is that ever a concern you have? Is drug drug level use testing through wastewater? Yeah.
2: um, So wastewater data can be. You could use it for a whole bunch of stuff um, in New York they identified pol- a polio case um, through wastewater. Um, Marin County in uh, California, they are currently working with a private organization to test for various substances, um, particularly opioids, etc. cetera. Um, and so it is definitely one of those hot new topics. Um, for us, our funding comes from the state health department uh, to back the wastewater testing and support um, the town of Telluride with these operations. Um, and so they've definitely expressed interest in a variety of things, but I think there are some sticky legal and personal, like, you know, politics that go with that, um, especially as that scope expands. So it's on our radar, but, um, higher, higher level than local public health. Um, and we're eager to see as other counties move forward with these kind of programs, uh, how useful they are because... For us, the wastewater and COVID, it was actionable in the sense that it gave us some better baseline data. So how could we use that if we were looking for opioids or how could we use that if we're looking at RSV rates or flu rates?
0: Sure, mm-hmm. alcohol usage and correlate it with uh, violent incidents. I know there aren't many, but I bet there's correlation there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're Going to Tri County Health, um, it seems like their mission is, is becoming more behavioral health which does include a lot of, of drug abuse. Uh, that, that agency started, you know, how, how do you deal with drug abuse? Um, I think they're mostly doing, um, uh, uh, you know, addiction treatment at the moment, uh, probably with antidepressants as well. Um, the agency started as an Obamacare uh, access rollout. And, you know, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, Lynn Borup recently left, La- Paul major is the current board. Um, the most prominent local name in their leadership name, uh, team now is uh, Melanie Montoya. Smash mm-hmm. the patriarch, Melanie Montoya. Yeah. And you know h- how relevant is that agency when we have and the funding to it when we have a, a, a medical center which is very much in need of funds. They'll be going to the, the ballot soon. Um, and you know what kind of of dynamic. Does like Melanie have uh, on a regional basis you know, what kind of reaction are, are how are people going to react to that and you know why you know wouldn't that money better be spent on prevention and uh, supporting the medical center?
1: yeah that might be a broader scope question than just for the county here um, but we appreciate your uh, inquiry into um, you know, where resources are going. Is there a final question you have for us this evening, um, yeah. Doug?
0: I, I think the big question is just, you know, we have only so many health dollars. I know they're coming out of different pots, but, you know, you can make those those local deals. You know, you can take more of this pot, we'll take more of this pot. And, you know, maybe that money would be better spent on the funding shortfalls for the medical center. So I guess the question would be, you know, I'm raising the possibility that we, we switch those monies, or most of those monies, to the medical center. Maybe the remainder is public health. Um, and, uh, but I guess the simplest question would be, what do we do about the funding for the medical center? At had a $1.4 million shortfall last year.
1: Alright, yeah, thanks for um, that question, and we'll, uh, we'll get back to you with some reflections on funding and resources and uh, all that um thanks doug and have a uh thanks for listening in thank you all right bye now
2: and i would say too just to comment a little bit right it is definitely outside a lot of our scope but i would say all this is so complex the funding for everything is patchworked and each of our organizations have done um really excellent work meeting different needs based off of the structure that we are the uh, funding that we have accessible. And so I I just do want to give big kudos both to the Med Center and Tri-County for really meeting the needs of various things that um, weren't happening in our communities without them.
3: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Tri-County does offer uh, a number of programs that are not directly related to um, physiological health Mm -hmm. and more so, um, you know, there are programs for um, nutrition and um, dentistry um, and, again, um, more social and emotional health matters that I think they do tackle a, a large area that the med center might not necessarily um, have expertise in in the same way. More of those social matters as opposed to physiological matters.
1: All right. Um, I we were on the topic of um, COVID, COVID, and <laughs> before we, you know, close out of that entirely, um, are there you know other specific things you just want to add? I think we covered the fact that immunizations are still available. Um, so listeners, stay tuned as we enter the fall season here. Um, and you know, I guess I guess my final question would really be: Are there ways in which the public health um, department, office department, department. Um, is already thinking about, you know, how can the next pandemic or the next, you know, flare up of disease or even future COVID management, you know, what, what will that look like? Will it look different um, either for you as a department or mm-hmm. um, hopefully kind of on a broader um, level? I know that's something that public health is considering all the way up the yeah. line.
2: Yeah, I I mean, COVID's here and we should be prepared to respond to various waves as they come and go. And so for our team, we do have free rapid COVID tests for folks to pick up. Um, as Catherine mentioned, we have uh, free, currently free COVID vaccines and we'll continue to make that available to the public as things change. But as we move forward, um, Public Health has always been planning and preparing for a flu pandemic, right? That seemed like the most logical um, likely concern um, because it mutates and all these um, and it's something that we know um, already exists. And I think that from like a from a communicable disease standpoint, we should continue to be prepared for uh, more vector-borne diseases, more uh, communicable diseases with climate change, with um, globalization. It's just things spread uh, more readily. And so as a as a state, the state health department's been reorganizing this last year based off of um, reflections and after-action reviews of what went well, what could have been better with our COVID response. And then regionally, we've really been beefing up our own programs procedures as well as our emergency supply caches to make sure now that we've kind of sat in a prolonged response what can we do to prepare for something completely unexpected or something that might last just as long
1: all right um we are on off the record you're listening to koto we're discussing all things public health And joining us in the studio is Grace Franklin, Kat Semler, and Chris Smith, all from San Miguel County. Uh, We will be back in just a moment to kind of close out our show this evening. Um, And feel free to join the conversation anytime at 970-728-4333. And thank you for tuning in.
5: The ship will come in, and the tide's gonna turn, and it's all gonna roll your way. Working.
1: All right, that was a little Dolly Parton to, uh, yeah, just remind us of, of her effort in the um, COVID pandemic. Uh, she was a promoter of the Moderna vaccine, is that she right, Chris? She's an investor. An yeah. investor, all right. So
2: she backed it up to make it happen.
1: Um, as I'll say every day, thank you, Dolly. Um,
2: Dolly provides, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time left this evening, um, but I would love to give some time to um, you know, what is happening now and what comes next. Um, Kat, at one point you had mentioned that there was now space and time to think more about other priorities, other focus areas that are just not pandemic related. Um, You know, and I am just wondering, you know, I have I understand there's some um, sexual health programming, there's some behavioral health and drug use programming. Uh, is there anything you'd like to highlight?
3: Yeah, um, we, again, those are the two pretty substantial programs we have outside of immunizations. Um, our sexual program is pretty fantastic. We offer free, confidential um, sexual health and contraceptive care to folks 24 and under. Um, and folks ages 24, or sorry, ages 15 to 24 do have the highest incidences of STI rates uh, and also are most likely to have unintended pregnancies. Uh, and so this program really does target that demographic. Uh, and we offer a wealth of services um, from, you know, the pill to IUDs to copper implants to PrEP, which is um, a medication you take daily to prevent HIV, and... Um, as well as STI testing for a range of um, different pathogens uh, and as of now it's it's been a bit of a slow start um, getting folks to our clinic but um, we've had more and more people come in for both um, contraceptive care and sexual health needs um, and on top of the testing we also do offer treatment as well I forgot to mention that um, and it's yeah it's it's been quite successful. Uh we have official clinics every Tuesday, um, all day, so folks can come in. Um again, regardless of um immigration status or your ability or your yeah, financial income. Um we will take whoever the one prerequisite is that you are under the age of twenty four.
2: Or twenty four and younger. Sorry, yeah,
3: I always yeah, confuse yeah. that. Twenty four and younger. Um, and uh, also, if that model does not necessarily work for you, um, you can also get access to care and seek services all from the comfort of your own home through uh, talking to one of the providers um, through um, the bc for You program, which is who we are collaborating with. Um, Chris, I don't know if there's yeah. more you want to add to that.
2: So, Just if folks are curious and want to learn more, go to BC, the number four, the letter U, so bc4u.org. Um, and that takes you to the main website where you can do a telehealth visit with a provider um, at BC4U Clinics, and then as Catherine mentioned, we have um, supplies on site, so we're able to distribute and provide um, medications um, and services on site as well. So you can do it from the comfort of the middle of nowhere if you have Wi-Fi um, or cellular reception, or you can come on in to our clinic and get services that way and then we recognize that this doesn't hit everybody right 24 years and younger is a small um, group in the grand scheme of things Um, and we have been working with the state health department to get uh, self-administered STI tests as well so sexually transmitted infection tests um, that we'll we'll be getting soon and we'll do a big old blast on that once we um, have them available so for um, folks that um, want to get tested for chlamydia gonorrhea hiv or syphilis they can do it for free um, at our office and we'll have it mailed out and they'll get results and treatment if needed for free from the state
3: and also uh, this yeah july 25th we have oh. our uh, ner- a nurse practitioner coming in from durango and she um conducts some of those more high level services such as um, IUDs or implants, uh, and so she comes in once a month, and the next time she's coming in is the 25th of this month.
2: So you can walk on in if you're interested, and get some education, get some resources. For sure.
1: Um, this is a rather huge topic, but um, there's been a lot of talk this summer about kind of extreme weather, extreme heat, uh, air quality with wildfire, wildfire itself, and um, some of these things that we have been you know hearing about while we've been blessed with just gorgeous sunny days um are there ways that the county is thinking about kind of environmental health and the challenges of you know managing living here in a changing climate um
4: yeah i think um the the most um Present program that we're currently involved in is um, uh, we're in co- collaboration with the town of Telluride to and and offer to uh, monitor high alpine lakes and uh, waterways for um, radionuclides. Um, that is wind deposited um, radioactive particles that are transferred from the um, Pinion Ridge uh, mill out uh, in. Paradox. So the concern is um, we're getting a baseline for those numbers, and uh, if that um, facility fires up, um, then then um, we'll be able to compare uh, any changes in our in our uh, air quality. The way they get that um, information is kind of interesting. They they um, they sample the um, the waterways, the sediments. they they're sent to a lab and and analyzed and um so far the the amounts are below epa actionable levels so that's a good sign
2: yeah you reminded me too that we're also part of a collaborative um, where star jamison who's um, the national natural resource director at the county she's spearheading the climate action plan um, with EcoActions, URA County, and a couple other partners, and really s- taking a look at what our existing programs are doing to help minimize greenhouse gases and then um, support a more sustainable future. Mm-hmm. Composting would be part of that too. Yeah, that's a new that's a new program at the um, county, there's a big grant to help with composting. That's not under us, but it's a really, ex- really exciting project that's going to be coming down the pipeline. And there's a survey out currently um, on the Natural Resources website for folks to say what their thoughts are about composting in our county.
1: And healthy soils maybe make healthy residents. So
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs> there you go.
1: Public health has uh, its implications everywhere. Yes. Um, or its entanglements everywhere. Uh, You know, just to kind of close out our evening here, we only have a few minutes left. Is there any specific message you'd like to give to listeners who, um, you know, are either curious about public health initiatives or want to get involved or, um, you know, want to keep up with your work, uh, want to give some feedback, any of those things? Just how how do you engage um, with the people of San Miguel County and how does that inform the work you do?
2: Yeah, I haven't memorized our main line yet, but I feel like it's 970-728-4289. That might be our fax, it might be our main line. I can't tell you off the top of my head, Um, but if you have questions, give us a ring, give us an email at publichealth at sanmiguelcountyco.gov, or you can sign up for our newsletters. We do do um, news releases every once in a while. our last one was about animal-borne diseases that are common in the summer right and ways to prevent um, getting bit by a tick or what to do if you do um, and you can go to the San Miguel County uh, news alerts and sign up for that um, you can sign up for public health or whatever other county uh, organization work that's going on and um getting notified there
3: yeah also I think uh, similar to what Grace said, we do want to interface more directly with the public. A lot of people don't even know we have a presence in town and have an office. Uh, so if you want, you can come on upstairs. Uh, we are at 333 West Colorado, uh, the Miramani building. And again, we have a full wealth of resources and anything from uh, condoms to Narcan to fentanyl test strips to free uh, COVID self-testing kits uh, and come chat with us and learn about the resources that we have to offer and take some goodies home. We also will be at the Farmer's Market. Yes. Do you remember the date? I don't. Sometime in August, I think the 18th? 18th? 15th, 18th. So yeah. The,
2: fri- the mid-Friday the mid, the mid Farmer's <laughs> Market in town.
3: Yep. Uh, and so we're tabling there once a month and we uh, would love to chat with you all there as well.
1: All right, listeners, get out there and put a name to a face to a voice. Um, thank you for tuning in uh, as we've been discussing what's going on at Public Health um, in San Miguel County. And that will wrap up our evening on Off the Record tonight. Uh, stick around. Rock and Rob will take to the air at 7 p.m., which is just about now. All right, have a good evening.
0: Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment, and in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas.